nerds watch Disney podcasts. We watch films and have a blast. Rank them all from first to last. It's our podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dudes. Uh, well, I don't really know what to call ourselves this week, actually. Oh, I didn't know that was a prepared bit. I was like, hey, I didn't know the name of our shit. We're... I'm dumb. Well, you could have played along with a dipshit. No, because I was straight to like, just oh, he's a dumbass. Uh, I thought we were just going to do another take. Here's what you guys don't know. We don't just, you know, sometimes we do more than one take. Sometimes we try to fix things when they go wrong, you know. But I thought that's what we were going to do. Not often enough. <laughs> well, accurate. But yeah, normally this is the dudes watch Disney podcast, but we're not watching Disney today, so what? we're totally breaking from the norm. This is just the dudes podcast. Podcast dudes. with dudes. Yeah. How original. <laughs> the only podcast made up of all dudes. <laughs> just talking. Just dudes talking. We're watching The Secret of Nim today, which is what? That's a crazy bonus episode, but it's actually a thing I tried to set up like a year ago for us to do back whenever we watched pete's dragon that was supposed to be the transition into hey guys you ever heard of don bluth because you know he was the animation director for pete's dragon but like a bunch of shit happened in the intervening year and like we started recording on the internet instead of in person and like it really just got pushed by the wayside so we could get more normal episodes out but today seems like a good day for a bonus episode Pete's Dragon just became a transition to, wow, Pete's Dragon sucks. Why did we watch this? And then you were like, what if I name my son after it? Like, <laughs> It's a middle name. Well, still. 1982 is when this film comes out. and uh, It's a great Randy Travis song. Not one I'm familiar with. Oh, well, he wants to, uh, it's, he's, it's another one of those songs that doesn't make sense anymore. Um, he's called The Operator, you know, like Jim Croce does sure. in his song. A bit dated. Uh, To uh, he says, operator, please connect me to 1982. He wants to, you know, talk to uh, himself and to his love interest back, you know, back in time. And then later in the second verse, he talks to the postman. You'll appreciate this, and says, "Can you sell me a special kind of stamp? Uh, One to send a letter from this crazy lonely man uh, back to the uh, you need 82. You need to go to the office for that. I don't do that. But even for the special kind of stamp." That can go back in time. I don't, I don't have any special stamps, man. Not to be confused with uh, a shittier country song uh, called uh, Letter to Me. Are you familiar with this one? Don't think so. Okay, so this in this song, Brad Paisley, in all of his songs are the, just the cheesiest, uh, writes a letter to his former self about uh you know how much better his life is going to get or whatever and like don't worry you're still around to like this write this letter to me and like it's so okay yeah you ever seen the movie frequency by any chance i have not like 2000 maybe it's like that basically but it's like a dad and it's son but the son's in the future and all grown up and they're talking to each other over like a ham radio that time travels and it's Hmm. i watched it once and kind of remember the plot (laughs) I don't have an opinion on it, but just thought I'd bring it up. But if you will uh, time travel back a few episodes in in Dudes Watch Disney here, when we covered Fox and the Hound, we talked about the big animator walkout that took place. And that is really what set the scene for this film to come out, because uh, Don Bluth was an animator at uh, Disney, had been there for 
I don't know, a few years. I didn't research all the way into this shit, <laughs> but he and a lot of the old guard of animators were really uh, just uh, disenfranchised with what Disney had become, and, you know, easy to see why based on what was coming out in, you know, the 70s and then the early 80s at that point. And they were, you know, really upset at the sort of the budget cuts and all that stuff that had been taking place in uh, Disney Animation Studios, which, you know, the Xeroxing, and uh, they, they felt that, traditional animation you know like the old the old ways the old guard was all kind of disappearing so you had that sort of disgruntlement disgruntledness whatever the word is there (laughs) disgruntlosity and so basically they all walked out over the production of that movie and then started uh the the company don bluth productions was formed and it was a very small like independent very skinnier teeth kind of uh work environment here you know just trying to get together whatever they could and they got this film greenlit uh the secret of nim based on the book uh mrs frisbee and the rats of nim i believe it's called i didn't get the author of that but it's it's a pretty well-known like chapter book from the 70s won the uh newberry medal i never read it i never watched this movie growing up in fourth grade i checked it out and read like half of it and and just didn't read the rest (laughs) <laughs> that's as much as i knew about this movie going in i knew ringing endorsements <laughs> right i figured there would be rats in it uh that's Good. as much as i knew going in plus uh and we discussed this before beginning recording today if you search for the uh, secret of nymph uh, you get a totally different movie um just throwing that out there so secret of nim nim so you checked out the book. Were you aware the movie existed as a kid? I know it obviously wasn't something I, we owned. I was not, I, no. I think hmm. I'm vaguely familiar with it, which makes me think that it was probably like a preview or something on like maybe one of the other Don Bluth movies we owned, like Land Before Time, <laughs> which I watched all the time. So Did we actually own that? I thought we just checked it out a lot. No, I, I think we owned it, but we didn't oh, have it. Land like Before the... Time. I was, I was thinking about Fievel. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we owned uh, Land Before Time. Yeah. Yeah, so just going through... Uh, bluth's uh films to his, to his credit here um secret of nim came first and then that was followed by an american tale and then that was followed by uh land before time and then that was followed by the dog one all dogs go to heaven so of those we and only five owned... goes west is, is that's him too yeah. I don't think he was actually involved in that. Um, I don't think he was involved in any of the sequels to his movies. I've actually only seen that one and not That's what I was going to say. <laughs> so, like, American Tale, I've never watched. But we did at least watch Five Will, Five Will Goes West a couple times. I thought he might still be involved because Dom DeLuise is in it. So that made me think, like... True. He's, uh... We just had him in a different episode. How did he make the first one without Dom Del- <laughs> DeLuise, like... Is he not in the first American Tale? I don't. I don't. American Tale is about like the Jewish plight. Is about all I really know about it. So, but that's a uh, sort of another thing that sets uh, Don Bluth movies apart from what Disney was doing at the time, at least, and any other animated movies were doing at the time. Covering you know, the the films would be tonally much more heavy, a lot more mature, a lot more somber. Dustin's laughing about something. Yeah, not only is he in An American Tale, he's the first credited person on IMDb. Well. <laughs> an American Tale, Dom DeLuise, Christopher Plummer, Erica Yawn. All right, then. They, uh, Don Bluth and uh, Dom DeLuise got along pretty well. He plays Tiger. <laughs> is Tiger Tiger? <laughs> what? <That's> a silly <laughs> question. <laughs> is Tiger Is Tiger, tiger? a tiger? <laughs> I meant... Is, is Tiger the same character in the next movie is what I meant. 
but I said is Tiger Tiger. Is Tiger Tiger burning bright? <laughs> there's, there's a literary yeah. joke for you. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, we've danced all over my opening paragraph here, so I don't know where we go next. Um, all the only one we owned was Land Before Time, right? Correct. And I and then we did have All Dogs Go to Heaven, also, didn't uh, I? Never really yeah, watched it much, but true. I'm pretty yeah. sure we had it. And then, so those were kind of the Don Bluth successful years. And then he had several releases in the '90s that were a lot. It was kind of a downhill slope, which if you notice, like compare that to the Disney success slope, the 90s is when Disney took off and everything else that wasn't Disney just kind of got, you know, but uh, uh, but then, yeah, we did. I actually I'm going to walk all of that back because we did own more than that because we also owned Rockadoodle, which came out in the 90s, um, which I did watch a lot and remember nothing about (laughs) I don't either, but it's, I mean, basically the plot of Rockadoodle is what if a rooster became Elvis, like basically, (laughs) which is like, uh, like a throwing darts at the wall kind of plot anyway, (laughs) just like, we need a character, rooster. Right. I mean, it's not like Elvis was especially topical in 1992 or whenever it came out. Yeah. He's been dead for at least 15 years, you know, um, uh, back on the Disney walkout and sort of the, the creation of this film company and this film um, back when everybody was still working at Disney here. Story writer Ken Anderson, who came up a few times over the, the course of our podcast here, he had started reading Miss, uh, the book Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim and uh, thought it was a wonderful story. He was looking forward, you know, I don't, I assume he was thinking like, hey, maybe we could do something with this. Um, and he gave the book to Bluth for him to read and make a film out of. Uh, after Bluth finished with the animation direction of Pete's Dragon. Um, and then Bluth later showed Nim to Disney animation director Wolfgang Reitherman, who just immediately shot down Bluth's offers to make a movie based on the book. Yeah, the, the quote from Reitherman shutting all this down was, we've already got a mouse, and we've done a mouse movie, referring to the rescuers. So basically, hey, I got this idea. Uh, actually, no, fuck you. And then everybody took that idea and walked out and took that idea with them on the way out and decided we're going to make this our first project here. They took not only that idea with them, but also the dragonfly or yeah, the dragonfly from the rescuers, which opens the film. Yeah. Uh, Evan rude, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't, I saw that on IMDb, but then didn't remember seeing a dragonfly. So I was like, Oh, Oh, no, I didn't right. either. I a hundred percent was just like, I hope this is right. I'm throwing it out there. So yeah, I guess we'll just, uh, start the movie out here um i going into this i did see this movie one time before it was not as a kid it was when i was in like college i guess because i just Mm -hmm. just like people say this movie's good i'm gonna download it and watch it and then i did and then i forgot everything about it so um uh yeah i would say up front before we get into the movie uh that for me this would be most similar to our black cauldron uh episode it's kind of where what I, was I went too. into it with no idea what to expect just totally knowing only the title of the movie and just waiting yeah. to see what else is going to happen yeah uh, unfortunately unlike the black cauldron uh where i did not watch with the subtitles, so i just had to guess what everybody's name was i did watch this one with subtitles so i do know what everybody's name is unfortunately it's a real shame we don't get to just blind note guessing <laughs> of right. grungy kooky whatever we named the little uh tyrone <laughs> exactly 
go check out our Black Cauldron episode. It's really entertaining, and it's a movie that, uh, while it didn't score very well, I uh, I really enjoyed. Well, that's kind of what I thought about watching this movie. Is what it, it reminded me a lot of Black Cauldron, mostly just because it's like it's something different. It's animation being like kind of cool fantasy and cool. Well, this has kind of cool sci-fi, which wasn't in Black Cauldron, or but it's book. darker. It's more, or yeah, apparently. <laughs> Um, it's darker, it's you know, more mature, it's spookier. I'm about to go smack my dog, so... He won't really if That's you're a an joke, animal lover. Internet. Yeah. But yeah, just based on, hey, I haven't seen this movie before, and it seems kind of cool. <laughs> like, that's not a feeling I've had on any Disney release from 1970 to 1990, you know? Right. Also, from the top, Jake is right. This movie is uh, a lot darker than uh, your average animated movie of the time. Uh, you've got some death in the movie. You've got blood in the movie. You've got uh, a character says, damn. It's true. Shades of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> or Ron Simmons. <laughs> but yeah, uh, just the only other opening thing. Uh, pretty low budget on this thing. They, I think they were approved for five and a half million, and they ended up making it on like six million or something. So uh, that's around half what Disney was paying at the time or spending at the time. Um, and even that's with Disney's like budget cut, uh, model that they were doing. So this is pretty low budget and it's pretty astounding that based on the money involved that this film came out looking and sounding as good as it did. Cause watching it, like at no point did I think like, eh, this looks kind of cheap or shoddy yeah, or rushed. So. Yeah. Which we've seen, you know, countless Disney films recently we brought up, like they're just not trying with these backgrounds or like what's going on here. There was a whole like thing about the animation process that and you know the cameras they were using and all that that on wikipedia that i was reading and it's like i don't understand what any of this means but it sounds very technical so and the film despite its low budget did end up becoming a moderate success grossing 14 million so that's obviously how uh they were able to keep making movies like this but the movie opens up you mentioned watching this with subtitles. I actually did the same thing based on the first line. I couldn't quite figure out what our opening character was saying. So, like, right from the bat, I was like, eh, I'm going to go ahead and switch these on just to make sure. But yeah, I was running the robot vacuum. But <laughs> nice. Uh, those things are loud, I've noticed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the opening line, you know, we start on a candle, someone writing uh, in a book. Uh, the opening line is Jonathan Brisby was killed today. And uh, we see, like, these creepy old weathered hands writing it. Uh, yeah, so that's, we're starting now, uh, you know, reminds me of, like, the opening line of, like, Christmas Carol was, like, you know, the Marleys were dead to begin with. It's, like, right away you're hooked. Uh, it's actually not, the, I said the Marleys, which is <laughs> because Muppets. I've seen a Muppet Christmas Carol way more. They added a Marley. <laughs> so don't think I'm making any kind of literary reference here. This is me watching right. the Muppets. Uh, now, you said that was something that hooked the audience. But uh, I'm, I mean, and I watched the whole thing because I knew we were going to talk about it. But I, you know, if you didn't know what was going on in this movie, it does not explain things uh, right away. It takes, you know, you have to get well into the movie before any of it starts to start making any sense. And right. so you don't know who Jonathan Bigsby is or what in the world kind of, whatever, <laughs> what kind of creature it is you're looking at this uh, right. uh, Nakamura or whatever his name is. Uh, <laughs> Nicodemus. Nicodemus. Why does everyone else have a normal name and his name is Nicodemus? Like, there's a dude later who's named like Greg. It's like, why the yeah. hell is this guy? Yeah. There's, uh, I guess, Jenner is is not necessarily a like typical name. It would be a name now. It's a very like, well, you know, yeah, mil- millennials having kids. Like, this is the, this is our son Jenner. Like, right. But uh, 
But yeah, this kind of reminded me of the opening to Black Cauldron where it's like spooky, mystical kind of shit going on as this intro. And then we're going to move away from that and ground the story and meet our characters. But it takes a pretty long while to get back to what the spooky, mystical shit is all about. So, but yeah, uh, we're, you know, talking about Jonathan Brisbane. He was killed today. We mentioned the plan, which we don't really know what that is yet. Um, he says something like, it's been four years since Nim, which we don't know what that is either. And then he looks at like an amulet in a box. And yeah, that's really all we got to go on. Which is a stylistic uh, choice not to inform the audience what's happening right away. And it works pretty well, especially if, you know, you have an, an audience that you're anticipating has already read this book, even though you're making major changes to it. Uh, but if you've got an audience that knows very little about this story, it can be frustrating to not know what's going on and to not have some sort of narrator introduce everything. Like, if Lord of the Rings just started with, like, Gandalf handing him a ring or whatever, like, it would be confusing. But by having Galadriel do all of that intro, it makes it much more approachable, right? That's a... Dudes watch Disney bingo twofer right there. <laughs> we made it 20 I mean, minutes into the episode before we need a narrator. And here's why this is like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> right. Can we shoehorn in a dusty Rhodes? Like <laughs> what if he played uh, Nicodemus? Look, my name is Nicodemus. And Mr. Jonathan Bigby. Bisbee was killed today, brother. He died today. He was trying to kill the cat. He wasn't going to kill him. He was going to poison him. Just a little bit in there. We're going to sneak past him. But they didn't work. And so now I'm talking to you, Mrs. Bigsby. <laughs> and Bigsby, I don't know a name. It doesn't matter what a name is, kid. The point is, you're going to help out the rats. They're going to help you. Everybody going to profit. And there was two bad men. One of them's Jonathan Brisby, and he's dead, brother. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say, uh, when we open up with this sort of cold open here, uh, you know, establishing mystical shit, basically, uh, we run the risk of spending too long getting back to said mystical shit because, like, that's the problem we ran into with uh, the sword in the stone, which was just like, here is the sword. Now, forget all that shit because we're going to hang out with Merlin in his underpants, like, for an hour until we get back to the plot, you know. This movie sort of toes that line because it takes a while. Right, except in Arthurian, uh, Arthurian legend, you expect there to be magic along the way. Right. Or this is where they looked at a story that already had, like, rats being experimented on and, like, you know, anthropomorphized, anthrop- human-like you animals. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, but then they went, well, you know, what if we threw in a magic amulet and, uh, you know, an all-knowing magic mirror thing that uh, Nicodemus uses? I had a quote... Um from Don Bluth that I, I was wondering when to bring into the discussion, but we might as well do it now since we're into it. Um, in regards to adding magic to the existing story, he said, uh, we really believe that animation calls for some magic to give it a special fantastic quality, um, which that just seemed to be his kind of philosophy on, you know, just the animation medium in general. And I was wondering how you felt about that. Cause you know, we've been reviewing all these Disney movies and we have a category called magic where we rank these things. Um, but, like, we come to some stories where it's just like, this is just about a deer in the woods, you know? Where's the magic here? And we sort of have to sort of twist it and invent it and be like, well, the magic comes from the life in the forest or, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, is it just, do magic and animation just seem to go hand in hand like this? Um, should we try to add magic if the story doesn't really seem like it's going to fit it? If should we? And a similar thing could be said for, like, songs in Disney movies, too, I was thinking. Right. I mean, I guess... 
that's what I I mean I would say (laughs) anyway I guess we've already got magic though like you've got talking animals like isn't that enough like the rats talk the mice talk there's all kinds of other critters going on like experimenting in this weird like here's a a, an actual MacGuffin that can help solve all of her problems for no reason like right because it's also like, don't let the bad guy get it, or he'll be able to do weird things too. Like, right? It's a, I mean, sort of one of the things that the biggest flaw I can find with this movie is that it's just kind of a bit busy. <laughs> it's like we meet a lot of characters. There's a lot of plots going on, and then some. Like, when, spoilers when we get to the end of the film, it is just kind of like, and then this magic thing saved everything, and it's, it's hard because we're trying to establish how the rats got here, how they got their technology, but also there's just magic involved. So it's weird to like, I don't know. It's I feel like we could have dressed it up a bit better. Um, I don't know how the amulet would have worked, but we could have still had like the magic portal that he's viewing all this stuff in, and you know, if just somehow twisted to see it to where it seems more mechanical or scientific or you know, electrical or you know the rest of the stuff that's going on in the rats uh, community. I don't know, combine whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Before we get to all that. Uh, we meet sort of our uh, main characters. Uh, we open up with a little field mouse named Mrs. Brisby, who's uh, looking for someone named Mr. Ages because she needs help. Uh, she's got a son that's very sick, and this guy seems to be just this smart, doctory scientist man around town. So that's who she's looking for. And she runs into an annoying-ass bird along the way, voiced by Dom DeLuise, so. <laughs> who is in a lot of this movie and really doesn't need to be there at any point i feel we'd said a lot of praise for dom deloise in our uh, oliver and company review but uh just sticking him on there because we need a kind of silly side character right. we need something else <laughs> like well i think if uh if they had clearly explained what was going on from the start then you wouldn't need his character but because you've got the sort of tension of not knowing what's going on, you need someone to be like, oh, okay, that's funny. Uh, the bird's doing funny shit. They'll explain the rest of this later. I don't know. I don't want to watch that bird for a minute. Like, I suppose he he's there masks. to sort of hold the audience's hand. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. He gets more annoying as the movie goes on. but Because also, once stuff starts to be explained, he gets much less screen time because he's no longer necessary. Right. Because like, <laughs> we just find an excuse to send him off somewhere. Right. Go get some string. We get Mrs. Brisby. She uh, meets up with Mr. Ages. Uh, these are mice living on a farm. Mr. Ages is in um, like an old burned out car or something. Like I can't remember exactly what it was, but that's sort of where he's got his workshop set up. She goes to him, says her son is very sick, and uh, sort of gives his symptoms. And he immediately lets her know, like, yeah, he has pneumonia. Um, you know, he's got to stay bundled up. He's got to have bed rest. He needs to drink this, you know, medicine or whatever. Uh, you know, he doesn't need to leave the house. Keep him there. Keep him bundled up because he could die from this. Uh, and then we mentioned something called moving days approaching. And it's like, well, tough shit. He needs to stay bundled up. And we don't jump into what that is yet or anything. We just sort of have the audience kind of wonder for a minute. But it sounds important. Like, oh, shit, moving day. Like, that seems like something that would get in the way. And I like that we sort of hold that back uh, as the movie's going along. But, yeah, then we meet Bird DeLuise, who's uh, tangled up in a string in a log you know making a big fuss about it yeah she keeps warning him that dragon might hear we don't acknowledge what dragon is at this point it's much later in the movie when we do so i was kind of wondering like is there an actual dragon because like we see the cat here but we don't say hey the cat's name is dragon by the way 
so I was still expecting there to be another like evil thing lurking. Yikes. Like, uh, yeah. I was a little puzzled there because um, I clearly figured it out <laughs> or just accepted it because my notes literally go dragon. Oh, a cat. <laughs> like so, oh, I was not Maybe left was with that same mystery. More. Yeah. Because I even said, uh, oh, the cat's running up. Wait, it's a bunny. Oh, no, it's actually a scary cat. Yeah. Fucking demon face. <laughs> and even uh, Dom DeLuise is like, oh, it's just a rabbit. I should have known. I'm allergic to cats. If he came by, I'd be I'd, I'd be sneezing. And, you know, he starts having a sneezing fit. It's a lot like Sting and the Orcs was going to be my uh, Lord of the Rings was, yeah. comparison. Or, yeah. or like the T-Rex and Puddles. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> You said T-Rex, and I'm thinking Don Bluth, so I was like, like, the sharp tooth? Like, I don't remember him stepping in a puddle at any oh, point. Jurassic Park. I know now. The actual greatest movie ever made. I mean, Land Before Which, Time's got to be close, right? There, you know, 1A and 1B. <laughs> um, I did sort of notice, like, when we're having all these conversations here, like when we were talking to Mr. Ages, or now when we're talking to the bird, uh, not a lot of music in the background. It's mostly just silence and conversation. Uh and the music seems to be reserved for like the big action scenes and the drama and that kind of stuff, which I, I, it's yeah. sticking out to me, which leads me to believe that's not really a Disney thing. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's been a thing along the way, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it just seems sort of different and, uh, not what I was expecting. I don't dislike it. Like I'm paying attention to conversations when there's nothing else going on. You know, I was surprised when we did have Ms. Brisby sing, uh, this is jumping ahead a little bit where it's yeah. just like, but why is this, is this suddenly a musical? Like, nope. Cause we don't sing again, but cause Disney would have had them do a few songs before then the bird would have gotten a song and right. Probably oh, Mr. Oh, that crazy Mr. Ages, crazy Mr. Ages, something like that. So I would go, he doesn't have a first name. Several characters don't in this film. <laughs> yeah, basically. Two, um, actually it's not several, but still, Three, I guess. Well, is Shrew her first name, or is that just like what kind of creature she is? I think that's. I think this is just some lady that lives near them. So there's like, oh, old Auntie Shrew again. Like they may not know her name. She's just a Shrew. Right. That's they call the her Aunt, Aunt Shrew, but I didn't know. Like, is it like some sort of class system? Like she's just a Shrew. Like maybe she's not a mouse like the rest of us. Just call her a Shrew. Like Miss Brisby wasn't like friendly with her either so like i didn't take her to be like actually related well, or if we were just aunt, saying that. like and, i know but i don't know yeah it could be i thought it was just like you know the old widow lady that lived near them um uh, could be but yeah so basically we have a showdown with the cat we escape she loses the medicine but the bird found the medicine so it's like oh we get away yay the way they decide to draw the medicine, uh, I guess it's supposed to be like in a sack or something. It just looks like a piece of paper she's holding. It's a like, prescription I don't know if it's like the medicine. recipe for the medicine. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't, and the it, same thing, I forget what she's carrying, but later in the movie, she's carrying what looks like a, I guess it's the poison maybe um, for the cat. Probably, yeah. Or whatever they just put it in like with, a little But it just, again, looks like envelope. here's a piece of paper. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was puzzled by that too. Yeah, because we it's see. Easier to animate, I'm sure. I'm sure, yeah. Because we see like the the paper like fly out of her hands or whatever during the fight and then it's like stuck on a branch or something it's like uh what is that was that important do you still need that was that like directions for the medicine or i don't know but she opens it up so later. she loses like the medicine envelope. and uh and jeremy the totally normal named yep. jeremy <laughs> jeremy uh, the bird right gets it and then you know gives it back to her in exchange for giving uh her giving him some lady advice mm-hmm. yeah he 
is searching for a stuff to make a nest. He calls it a love nest. He wants to, you know, meet a ladybird and start having some bird kids. And uh, is <laughs> yes, it's the joke that we're playing with there that Dom DeLuise is very gay. Like <laughs> I don't just haven't met I the right girl so. yet. Like I is that really... like a like what we're? I mean, obviously it's not like the like surface level joke, but is that like sort of an in joke? Like everyone would recognize his voice at this point. He's a pretty big celebrity, right? Like. I mean, not like an A-lister, but right. at least enough of a celebrity character that people actor. would know him. <laughs> sure. Right. Character actor and, you know, Hollywood Square. Right. <laughs> and TV chef. I don't know. That could be part of it, but I didn't. I mean, it was never like in your face the way an 80s movie you'd think would be about that sort of thing. So I don't know. But he, yeah, he's got string that he's going to put in his nest. I, uh, apparently he's not actually gay. Apparently that's just an in-joke I made up. Sure. Uh, he uh, had a wife and kids, and uh, he's yeah. a very like campy performance voice on him. So I kind of just assumed. Yeah, I, I just assumed he was. I, I mean, I didn't uh... want to assume his actual orientation, but you said it like with confidence. So I was just like, oh, I guess he was a gay man. I didn't. Yeah, because I thought it was. I thought it was a fact. I thought it was a thing. I thought we were, it was like uh, Paul Lind. I didn't know. Well, apologies. I apologize to Dom DeLuise. <laughs> his next of his kin, family. I guess, because he's dead. Right. Not uh, that there's anything, I mean, if... if not I that there's anything wrong with being dead. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I forgot where the hell I was. We get to the kids. Um, She goes home. She's got uh four kids, I think. Um, But one of them yeah. is sick and bundled up in bed. Um, The kids were all very reminiscent of the bunny kids from Robin Hood. Um which uh don bluth did work on robin hood so but you got the one like boisterous like you know young boy there that wants to be adventurous and go you know a lot i don't remember what the fucking kid's name from robin hood was but yeah him and then there's like a little kid you know like a toddler one that's like carrying around a teddy bear the whole time but yeah we, uh, we see the kids here and then uh this is when auntie shrew stops by and is very uh dramatic about everything i believe she's talking about moving day coming up i didn't write down what she was talking about. right she gets in an argument with the the oldest kid and talks about how you know he doesn't have any kind of good behavior and doesn't know how to act or whatever and then the uh mrs brisby returns and they talk about moving day and how they gotta go or whatever and but she is concerned when she learns about the pneumonia and everything else like she's not just you know rude for no reason yeah but then she she kind of exits and then uh you know the kids go to bed and she goes to you know give the medicine to her dying child and this is when we do yeah a sad mopey song now miss brisby isn't actually singing it herself but it's like a voiceover you know song being played while she's like feeding him and stuff and it did like the song was nothing to write home about like it felt like it came out of the rescuers or something yeah it is a waste of time but without this scene then the the uh the sick kid would literally just be a plot device like this is yeah. the only time he's on screen in the whole movie right uh, i don't even think he gets lines i think he just lays no. in the bed i like, think at the very end he does because he says like i want to come out now or something spoilers he doesn't die <laughs> but oh <laughs> yeah so you get just kind of a somber you know song here about like oh my kid is dying but we're gonna make it through this or whatever um, I'm sorry yeah. it, w- it wasn't as good as your song about Mr. Ages a minute ago. Yeah, well, we can't all, can't all be talented. Then we cut to some people in a farmhouse, which my first note was, there's people in this? But yeah, real people. Um, 
they live in a farm house and this is their farm that all these animals are you know staying on and then the the wife is like you know they're going to bed she's putting down the windows and she's talking about oh the people at the national institute of mental health call today they wanted to ask about the rats and it's like okay what uh and he's like oh i don't remember what he says but the important thing you're getting about is out of this is the national institute of mental health that word is nim that's in the title it must be important basically right i do appreciate them not uh making the farmer and his wife uh characters really (laughs) well that but i was gonna say just automatically making them yokels like oh sure they're farmers so they gotta talk like they're dumb like right i got a phone call from the institute of health (laughs) they want to talk about the rats right they're barely in the movie like they're not important which i like that decision of just like because like when we had stuff like 101 dalmatians where it was just like are we talking about the are we focusing on the adult humans or are we worried about the dogs like what's our story about i mean jasper and horace deserve their own spinoff movie so (laughs) Sure. Like a movie where they just run into like Kronk. <laughs> that would and, be like a... do the Spider Man meme at each other. <laughs> that would be great. Like uh Disney did like the House of Mouse and like the House of Villains and stuff like in the two thousands. Like they should have really done a movie that was just like or a TV special or whatever that was just like the house of dumbass henchmen. And yeah, just, henchmen and like side characters. Just they gotta random. like band together to accomplish something. Like we're gonna become real villains ourselves or something. Right. But then they just there's like Edgar around. and those two and uh the one we just cronk. Um Fidget the Bat from Great oh, House yeah, Detective. Yeah. Smee, like the ugly stepsisters, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Background characters. <laughs> While we're uh, cutting away from the farmhouse, we see some rats in the yard doing some brainy shit in the background. Like, they're stealing, like, an extension cord from the house, and then they're running into the rose bush, and we don't exactly see what's going on, but it's kind of like, ooh, what's happening here? Like, is it, we're getting back to the mystical rat at the beginning here? Like, what's going on with these rats? Um, We just kind of show them and then move on from it. We don't, you know. Pretty much. It's just a little tease. Yeah. And then we got Mrs. Brisby waking up the next morning. Uh, She's getting up early. I didn't know if she was getting up to investigate something or go talk to Mr. Ages again or whatever. But she's up early and she runs into Auntie Shrew. And then all of a sudden we hear a tractor starting up. And then we find out, oh, shit, that's what moving day is. Moving day is here. And Auntie Shrew runs off to tell everybody. But they live in this big field and the field is getting plowed now. So all of their homes are going to be destroyed. So that's why all the other creatures go running off. Rabbits and quail and shrews. We we showed the rabbits. The rabbits are just straight up rabbit from Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) Like it's the exact same (laughs) character design and everything. Um, Oh, and the rabbits, I did like they had like a, as soon as they saw this, they all started tapping their feet. Like, you know, we'd cut to three rabbits all doing the same thing. And that was kind of like their, uh, like, warning system, I guess, for all the other uh, animals. Yeah, they were the... warning the below ground uh, creatures yeah. that they needed to move. But that was also a good just tension building thing when we see, like, oh, they're the moving day, moving day is here. And we get these rabbits looking scared and they all start going together, you know, mm-hmm. sort of added to the tension. But, you know, they're, they're freaking out. It's like, well, I didn't know it was going to be this soon. This, this is earlier than it's supposed to be. And, you know, we got to figure out. Wait, so Brisby goes back down to uh, help Timmy. And uh, Annie Shrew saves the day by running up into the motor of the tractor and biting through the the, the parts of the engine <laughs> that deliver yeah. the fluids. Uh, and then uh, the tractor, you know, has a little breakdown there. I believe he says the fuel line is what gets cut fine it's more than one right she cuts more than one thing maybe but we afterwards cut to the 
farmer being like, oh, fuel, fuel line got cut. The point is, she fucks it up good and she saves does. the day. Was it Auntie Shrew? I thought it was Mrs. Brisby, but I might not remember. No, Brisby went back to be with her son. I think it was Shrew. Okay, cool. Um, oh, I thought the uh, all the animals running away scene here when the danger was coming, it felt like Bambi uh, without the guns, basically. You know, when the NRA showed up to just wipe out the whole forest. It was all the tensions of that, but without the, you know, war sounds going on in the background. I just Googled Auntie Shrew cuts gas. So let's see. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you know, what could go wrong on this one. You know, pull up like a America's Funniest Home Videos. Yeah, Auntie Shrew intervenes and pulls out Tractor's gas line. Okay, well, machine. good for her. I was taking notes and not paying the most attention. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask about is the, uh, the tractor itself. Um, the scenes with it you know and the, and the animals interacting with the tractor is uh very rotoscoped um it looks different compared to the other animation uh it's kind of out of place but in a way that you know it's meant to feel foreign for to these animals and everything you know this big human machine thing coming in um so i wondered if you thought that blended better than say the cg in oliver and company since we just talked about that the other day where the car is just cg for no real reason <laughs> Right, yeah, it must have blended better because I didn't even notice, whereas well, the company was like, oh my god, what is that? Why did you <laughs> <Right>. do that? <laughs> right. It kind of reminded me of like when they did all the like random computer animations in Batman Sub-Zero yeah, for like the submarines the submarine and different things. It was right? like, that I looks don't... different, and I don't know if I like it, and I like the Batgirls in this one. It's cool. I like Batgirl, but then like, you know, she doesn't really get to do much. Well, right. Um... That's a good movie, though. Not as good as Mask of the Phantasm, but pretty good. No. No way. That movie's great. We're going to review it. <laughs> I mean, we're not doing Disney movies, so... <laughs> it wouldn't even be much review. Like, this part's great. <laughs> the review would be like, wow, I didn't know how all this time travel shit was going on as a kid. <laughs> or not, like, I guess not time travel, but, like, flashbacks oh, yeah, and like, timeline. And then, like, you know, you don't watch it again for another few years. And you're like, wait, what is? Oh, it's in two different times. Because as a kid, I was just like, wow, how come his suit looks a little different? Like, did they just not draw it right? Like, what's wrong <laughs> here? Like, why isn't it yellow like it's supposed to be? I did do a paper on that movie once in college. So, I mean, it's a good movie. <laughs> it was for one of my film classes. I don't remember which one. but um, Should we do Scooby-Doo meets Batman, too? Like, that's just do less all the good. Cartoons? <laughs> you do the whole, like, DC animated universe, like god most of those are not good (laughs) no uh batman or dark knight returns is good um under the red hood is considered to be like the best one i really like that one didn't we watch one of the marvel animated movies where like all the marvel like avengers like had kids and their kids were becoming avengers and they were all like teenagers Mm, yeah it was just the worst idea i remember there are two of those actually (laughs) there's a sequel oh god at this point, uh, the shrew, anti-shrew, um, you know, the danger's gone. She talks to um, Mrs. Brisby and says, uh, you need help. You need something because he can't stay here. Uh, the great owl can help you. Go see the great owl. And we, ha- I think the great owl got mentioned by one of the kids earlier. But we haven't explained who or what he is. And we really mm-hmm. don't explain too much throughout uh, as the movie goes on. And I really like that because it just sort of... Uh, leaves just some mystery behind it but he's he's clearly revered as like a godlike creature to them um i mean that's where we're going next is to his uh his home 
Right. Then we cut to Nicodemus, and he sees this because he has some sort of magic mirror thing that he can yeah. see things in. And he approves of this plan. He first is like, ooh, the owl, why would they do that? And then he's like, ah, yes, this is a good plan. Right. That's my Nicodemus impression. <laughs> yes. And then we cut uh, back to Mrs. Brisby, and she says, the owl, but owls eat mice. And then <laughs> Auntie Shrew says, only after dark. So that's why you don't have to be worried. Does she say that? I thought that was uh, Jeremy when he's flying her there. Might have been. I think so. Then, then Jeremy says, only after dark. <laughs> <laughs> we'll look it up later and see which one of them actually said it and use we that. The, yeah. oh, never mind, just one. Both. Yeah, <laughs> and this explanation too. Why not? There we go. A whole thing. Um, spooky cobweb hole is my next note. <laughs> and bones. So she's going into the spooky cobweb hole, and there are bones there. And it, but she's like lingering on the doorstep, and then a voice comes out that says, "Like, oh, come inside or go away." Be a great uh, doormat. Yeah, welcome, Matt, or something. The main thing I remember from the one time I did see this movie before was this scene here, and not because the owl is scary, but because there's a big-ass spider that's, like, Mm. behind her and is creeping along and going to get her, and then, you know, Mm. the spider gets killed by the owl. But I don't like spiders, and I've never seen a spider, like, look as spider-like as this one. Yeah, this is not, like, Charlotte from Charlotte's Web. Like no. Or even, like, the big, fat, derpy spiders from, like, the Hobbit movie. It's oh, just, okay. like, this is this thing. It had, like, the really, like, I don't know. I'm doing arm motions that no one listening can see. But <laughs> they, they look, look cool, creepy. though. Yeah. <laughs> the spider's legs moved in a creepy way like a real spider's do, and I didn't like it. Um, I feel like if we set up a uh, Patreon, we would uh, have you watch. stream this? Oh. Well, sure, but also have you watch Arachnophobia and then review that. Mm. Which, I, I mean, mean, those spiders I'm don't sure even look like real. Some of them I'm do, sure but... it wouldn't look scary at all now, but as a kid, I was just like, no, I'm not watching this. Well, I think the smaller spiders probably still would look scary because they used, you know, actual spiders or whatever for them. The big, like, monster spider at the end would look ridiculous. It does remind me of when I was in, like, junior high, one of my friends was like, we should go to the movies. And I'm like, why? What do you want to see? And he's like, eight-legged freaks. And I was like, no, I'm literally not doing that. <laughs> I'm 13. I'm not old enough to see that movie. Right. And then, like, you told us about it, and, like, me and our parents were like, like, it's not, it's, David Arquette is in it. Like, it's not that scary. He's a former WCW champion. Like, just go see it. Like, nope. Still ain't seen it. Well, I mean, me neither. Why would you watch a David Arquette movie? Like, uh, Ready to Rumble is the only one I've seen, so. Anyway, the owl god here is talking to Miss Brisby. She's obviously very scared. He's eaten the spider that was chasing her. Um, and then uh, she says, like, you know, I we got to save my son. And he says, you need to move. You cannot stay here for moving day. And uh, she, he basically is just kind of writing her off and not helpful. But then she mentions that her name is Mrs. Brisby. And then he's like, as in Jonathan Brisby. And then he's ready to help then. But uh, I don't know. Just the, like, the, the owl is on the poster of this movie. And I assume, like, the DVD cover and stuff. And, like, right away, like, just seeing his, you know, the illustration of him it's very like intimidating and you can see that this is like a godlike figure to them and he's very slow moving and majestic and but also kind of terrifying and his house is covered in cobwebs you know it's it's very memorable i'd say not just his house his wings are when he flies away like he actually has yeah (laughs) cobwebs all over them 
And like he says something like, now it's time for me to go hunt or something. Like, so did the spiders put all those cobwebs there in a day from the last time he yeah, hunted? Yeah, how many spiders are in his uh, spider hole? Owl hole. <laughs> Whatever kind of hole he's in. Spooky cobweb hole. Woof. But then, like, he, he might, you know, be revered as a god or whatever, but he has this scene and is talked about previously in the movie and then, and later on when she mentions, well, I talked to the owl and he told me to do this or whatever. Right. But other than that, he just goes away. He could have obviously helped move the family himself. He can pick up mice, like, it wouldn't right. be hard for him. Like, God, he's not going to do anything to help. <laughs> You're just supposed to look right. to him. <laughs> Um, I'm not allowed to make another Lord of the Rings reference to talk about the Eagles here, but <laughs> sure, we've we've hit our quota. Um, uh, he says to go to the rats, the rats in the rose bush, and ask for Nicodemus, and they can help you. And he says that they can move your house someplace safe. And he says the Lee of the Stone is where you need to go. And I wrote, I don't know what Lee means. Right. If I didn't have the subtitles on, I don't yeah. know what I would have written down there because I don't know the word Lee as a lowercase l. Like I don't know what that means. And I'm fairly smart, but I think so. Yeah. The leave of the stone, the leak of the stone, stones leap don't of have the stone. Leaves. I would have just tried other words that I know instead. What sucks is if I was in Mrs. Brisby's position here, I would have been like, oh, okay, the Lee of the Stone, and walk away and be like, oh, shit, what? <laughs> right, because you're terrified and, like, you know. I don't know what that means. Follow-up questions. Right. Yeah. But that's where <laughs> she needs to go. Um, don't know what happens here, but I wrote stupid bird is unhelpful, so yeah, I guess Jeremy he had a scene. Is funny. Um, Jeremy is funny disguised is what I wrote. <laughs> no, he's he not. funny disguised. Oh. He is gotcha. wearing a ridiculous, like, blue piece of cloth and a hat yes. to, like. It's it's the next day we're by the farmhouse. He is Why does he need to disguise himself? No one knows who he is. Like I don't understand. He doesn't. Like, he's just stupid. Who right? is he hiding from? And Mrs. Brisby says, Why are you dressed like that? And he's like, I'm wearing a disguise. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But the cat's there and he's sleeping. Um This is where I pieced together the dragon was the cat. So Jeremy is funny disguised. Brisby tells him to protect the kids and not tell them where she is. Dragon is cat. Weird neuron vines <laughs> and glowy shit. <laughs> sure. That's what's upcoming. So I'm sure what Jake says is basically just gonna be a wordier version of that. She figures out how to get rid of Jeremy and says, uh, go watch the kids, go, go watch my son. Yes. And he's like, okay, I'll go watch your son and flies off and then flies back to be like, where do you live? And, uh, and on his way out, he trips into the cat, but the cat doesn't wake up. Spoilers, the cat sleeping here is a plot point later. Um, right, and she says something like, look out for dragon, which is when I piece together the dragon is the cat, which Jake did, right. you know, 30, 40 minutes earlier in the film. So we're going into the rose bush here. Yeah, weird neuron vines and glowy neuron shit. Neuron vines. I, I just wrote rose bush has electricity. Uh, <laughs> moving tendrils like block her in behind, and uh, yeah, we we've, we've somehow electrified this rose bush to have uh, control over it. But it's uh, you know, pretty intense and mysterious as she's walking down here. She sees like a glowy red skull, which I don't know what that is, and uh, then she mm-hmm. like goes to a little more peaceful area and uh there's like flowers that look kind of shiny and she's like oh okay what is all this maybe it's not so bad when all then <laughs> my next note just says shit a wizard <laughs> when all of a sudden right. there's a rat You're like rat just... <laughs> dressed up like emperor zerg shows up for no reason <laughs> right <laughs> with like a zappy stick <laughs> which side note do you remember the dudes in like the star wars prequels that had like purple zappy sticks and they stood around in the background yeah that look kind of like q-tips yeah like basically. purple q-tips yeah, basically but they zapped uh 
I don't. That's all I thought. They of did. There. Yeah. I, and they could like stop lightsabers when nothing previously had been able to stop a lightsaber, and it was like, whoa. I don't remember that, but okay. I remember playing as them in Lego Star Wars. Yeah, because they have a they have a fight with them. <laughs> you can't see, but uh, <laughs> well, you can see, but the people can't yes, see can. this uh, conductor baton lightsaber fight that I'm having. <laughs> Um, Star Wars prequel purple zappy stick, and then Mr. Ages is here for some reason. Uh, Yeah, that's uh, not explained immediately either, which I'm sure, again, adds to the antagonistic nature of this movie sometimes towards the uninitiated audience. Like, if you're just like, what is the secret of Nim, and why are these rats to be feared, and these mice are talking to each other? Mice and shrew are okay with each other, but mice and rats, no. Owls only eat mice at night. There's a crow who's helping out. There's just this whole world is confusing. Yeah, it's uh, it's a bit busy at this point because we're still trying to figure out what everything is. Um, but uh, Mrs. Brisby mentions to Mr. Ages that the Great Owl Center here, and that's when he's sort of like, oh, well, okay, like everybody does what this owl says. So, and Mr. Ages takes her to go see Nicodemus. Right. And it's the third scene we've seen with Nicodemus. And in each of them, he has been talking to Jonathan uh, Brisby, even though he's dead, right? It's been like an apostrophe that's been going on where he's like, your wife is going to do this and blah, blah, blah. I've got a big mysterious voice. Right. Uh, I don't, I mean, you might have done a better job at following this movie than me because my next note says like, I still don't know what this amulet is about. So, oh, well, no, definitely not. I didn't pick up on him communicating with him. I thought he was just like... Well, eventually he starts talking to her, but he's like, when they get there, he's talking to Jonathan in the same way he did in the first scene and the same way he did in the scene. He was like, Jonathan, your wife is going to go see the great owl. How about that? Gotcha. He explains the necklace thing poorly. Also introduces the villain Jenner, who uh, right. we don't want to let him get the necklace because then uh, shit will go to hell. Right. Uh, yeah, we we don't know anything about Jenner really at this point, and uh, he's it's, uh-uh. I don't know. We introduce a vi- we kind of do the Madame Mem thing where we wait way into the movie to introduce what a villain is going to be, so it's uh, a bit difficult to get any sort of traction with him. But he shows up in just a second. First, we got to meet uh, Good Guy Rat, um, mm-hmm. who I think I called Greg earlier, but his name is Justin <laughs> apparently. Yeah. Just some boring white dude name. Because, <laughs> again, everyone else gets normal names, and then there's Nicodemus. Right. Nicodemus. <laughs> Nicodemus. He's the captain of the guard. Um, basically, we establish... Yeah, he leads them into, like, a, there's, like, a town hall meeting going on here, basically, with the rats, um, where they uh, are discussing the plan, and the idea is, you know... The idea is they, they have this big society for themselves. They've... Uh, you know they're they're having all this growth and uh and it's all based on the fact that they're stealing electricity from the farmhouse and they want to get away from that they want to you know be self-sufficient and and they because they they feel like the stealing is wrong uh whereas this jenner guy who is sort of proclaiming to this town hall meeting like this plan is not going to work you know we need to be here this electricity is what's working for us this is this needs to be the plan we don't need to move everything we have is here and then sort of the counter argument to that is like if we're stealing this electricity it's just going to bring human attention they're going to find us it's going to end our society but then he says like well not if we end them first so that's his uh point of view prerogative whatever and which at this point the our good guy troop walks into this meeting 
and uh you know jenner here kind of trash talks uh justin and is like oh why are you bringing these lower creatures in here pretty elitist yeah even after they've introduced uh mrs brisby and why she's there that well it doesn't matter who her husband was she's not one of us and after you know we got all this rat politics going on here we cut away from all that and we show jeremy again who has been tied up by the anti-shrew well actually before that while they're arguing uh it's actually jenner that convinces the others that they should help out uh naked uh well not necessarily nicodemus but help out uh, mrs bisbee and brisbee because he sees this as an opportunity to get to nicodemus Um, gotcha so it's at first like Oh, wow, even he would be the most against this. I can't believe he's going along with it. But then he quickly points right. out to his portly friend. Yeah, I was going to say, he's got he's got his own little minion buddy for this. Um, yeah. Saying, like, no, we can. Nicodemus is who we need to take out if we're going to get our plan and not the yeah. plan. What if an accident happens to him? Yeah. yeah. So that's our B plot for this movie is, by the way, here's the villain. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah. So then we cut back to Mrs. Brisby's house where uh, Jeremy is meant to be watching the kid. Instead, he's been tied up by Auntie Shrew, who is like, who are you and why are you here? And uh, sort of the point of the scene is the mice kids learn where their mom is. And uh, In my notes, you get to see where I tried to guess where they were going and then it didn't go that's that That's what way. I was going to say. So I, I, wrote, <laughs> I wrote, Shrew ties up Jeremy, kids free him. Nope, tickle torture him <laughs> to find out where their mother is. What I wrote, mice kids learn where their mom is and decide to go help, thus putting themselves in danger. Do they go Mm -hmm. help? I think they stay home. (laughs) So, Oh, that's what she's doing. That sounds dangerous. Oh, well, she knows what's best. I'm glad we tickled this bird. (laughs) Why do we have this scene? (laughs) Because, I mean, this is clearly uh, two people who have not seen this movie before trying to guess where we're going. And we had a bit of that in Black Cauldron, too. Um, But, yeah, now we get uh, Nicodemus time. Uh... We open the door to his room and like all the magic flies out. It's just like blue <laughs> lasers and shit. And, and then he follows afterwards, like, come in. Um, Sorry, you guys came during my rave hour. <laughs> this is how I get right. down. Should have come I wrote, a little earlier. <laughs> I wrote ludicrous speed because that's what I thought of. <laughs> like in fucking Spaceballs when the ship gets all the Technicolor shit on it. We get a little bit of background information here because they're conversing. They're talking about her husband, Jonathan. Um, and. He, he tells her, like, oh, go read that book over there. And she's like, oh, well, my husband did teach me how to read. And it's like, okay, well, that's interesting that Jonathan knew how to do that and then was able to teach it. I wonder where Jonathan got right. this info. Which, at the time, like, I couldn't tell if it was like, oh, do mice not know how to read? Or if it was just like, oh, women, they got to have somebody teach them, right? <laughs> I didn't know what we were going for there, which is a criticism I'm going to have of the film in general of, like, the rats, as we're about to learn, are supposed to be so far advanced and superior to all these other creatures or whatever, but, like, the, they don't seem... Like, yeah, they have weapons and stuff, and maybe their clothes are a little fancier, but, like, yeah. the mice seem kind of advanced, too, like... I mean, they talk and they build homes, and... They wear clothes, like... Yeah. Or she has, like, a little, you know, riding it, hood that she wears, like, cape. They don't have government? I don't know. No, no, they don't have that, but they still... I don't know. It seems like you they could have there could have been a better distinction. Right. Um because it's not surprising or at least it wasn't surprising to me that she could read like Right. Well, I mean, rats can read, why can't mice read? Like Right. That's probably why we had that line in there. Oh, my husband did teach me to read. And it's like, "Oh, I guess she didn't know how to do that until right now." Um Right. So I just went straight to like, "Oh, yeah, they don't be teaching their women to read." <laughs> 
I was going to talk about Miss Brisby. I mean, maybe this is like a, uh, you know, softball of a, a point to make about this movie, but like, Hey, we got a movie about a female character. Like that's not ever really been a thing in Disney unless they were a princess. And then the plot was let's get married. Uh, yeah. there hasn't really been any of that. I mean, she's very motherly. Um, she's got those characteristics. Yeah, at the same time, she has no identity of her own and is only, oh, true. I'm Jonathan Brisby's wife. Like, that is true. Wait, the Jonathan Brisby? We should be nice to her. She has value because she's married to Jonathan Brisby. That is true. But at least she's a protagonist that you, you know, care about and want to see her yeah, see, sure. see her family uh, make it through all this, that kind of stuff. Sympathetic. I never felt sympathy for, like, Snow White or Cinderella or... I mean, have we had in Sleeping Beauty? You didn't feel sympathy for Cinderella? Like, okay, maybe that she was nice to everybody and did all the chores in the house and just wanted to go to the dance. I didn't feel sympathy for Snow White or Sleeping Beauty. How about that? Okay, fine. Um, so we get the backstory here about the science experiment prison that all these rats were in, and they were basically getting injected with I don't know brain juice or something, and then they. (laughs) Uh, right. But instead of like him just telling her this, he uses his, you know, magic mirror thing to show yeah. her this while he narrates it. Gyroscope <laughs> portal. Yeah. Um, there was some pretty crazy lighting on uh, Miss Brisby during the scene here, like from watching the, you know, portal shit go off in front of her. Um, and I that's something else I was reading about is the amount of different colors in this movie was like insane for what its budget was. Uh, from an animation standpoint, like Mrs. Brisby has like 49 different color palettes based on how she's being lit and stuff. And that just seems super labor intensive. Um, and I imagine has a lot to do with why this movie looks so good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we get a flashback of these rats getting super brains. And he even says like uh, Nicodemus is saying like, suddenly I realized I could read what was uh, on the my cage in front of me and it says like lift clasp to open so he does that and then they all escape and uh they we mentioned there was uh 20 rats and 11 mice that got injected with this stuff so uh they're all escaping together they escaped through the air vents but the mice were too small for this so they got blown down the air vent and most of them died but two of them only the fattest mice survived <laughs> two of them were like hanging onto a rope and survived and those two oh i thought they were just too heavy to get blown away i thought this was a survival technique i was Maybe. trying like in case i ever go need to go through a ventilation <laughs> shaft i won't get blown away yes if i need to go through a ventilation shaft i should be at a heavier weight that will make it work <laughs> um genius the two that survived were Jonathan Brisby and Mr. Ages. So they uh, are friends to the rats forever because of this. And uh, uh, they even have Jonathan written in like their history books saying like, you know, we were able to escape Nim because of Jonathan Brisby. Now that we know their origin story uh, a little bit, or actually as much as it's explained in the movie, have you seen the uh, most recent Planet of the Apes movies? No, and I've never seen any of them. You've, oh, wow. You should watch the first one. Uh, you know, Charlton Heston one. It's fantastic. I even like the sequel, which is an awful movie, but it's kind of cool. There's like three or four King sequels. King Tut's in it from Batman. Oh, well, you sold it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. King Tut's in it for like two minutes, too. He does not have a big part. Um, there's like aliens underground, and like they communicate telepathically, and he's one of them. Neat. Actually, they're not aliens. They're like surviving humans, I guess, and they uh, worship an atomic bomb. It's a whole thing. Where were you going with the new ones? 
Oh, well, the new ones uh, get into... The new ones are set, like, in the current days, uh, and they show how they started to experiment on the apes to make, you know, uh, to make them smarter and smarter through, like, genetic... I think there's, like, genetic engineering going on and, like, the different experiments they did on them to, like... And then one of them does sort of become aware and eventually leads the others in a revolt or whatever, and I was just thinking sort of what happened here with the rats. Yeah, pretty close. Um, So I've seen two of the three. The third one's supposed to be the best of the three, but I haven't seen it yet. So we get... uh... You know, we cut back after explaining this backstory, and then we uh, give Mrs. Brisby the amulet. And there's an inscription on the amulet saying, you can unlock any door if you only have the key, which is kind of vaguely mysterious. We don't really ever explain it too well, but we mention, like, the spirit of Jonathan Brisby is in this or something. Like, that's really all the line we get. So she's just going to carry this amulet around, and I'm sure it won't be important later or anything. And there's an inscription on the back of the necklace, which does not pay off later. Like, it seems like it's going to, and then, eh. I did mention that already. <laughs> oh, did you? Oh, well, I zoned out. <laughs> Turns out, though, there is one. It, you think it's going somewhere, and then it's like, eh, we just, you know, thought it sounded cool. Never to fart. What? <laughs> the uh, Jim and Pam get that in their uh, wedding rings. It's supposed to be never to part. And then, like, there's, like, a, they couldn't read Jim's handwriting, and so it's <laughs> never to fart. I've seen the... How have you seen The Office a I've bajillion times? I've seen it times. so many times, I don't remember that. And anymore. I've seen it once. I've never... Around, there's, like, two episodes I've seen more than once, like... Around the time they're getting married is when I'm like, why am I still watching this show? Well, okay. I think it's actually, like, when they get engaged, but I don't remember. Anyway, never to fart. It's a thing. Um, do we get the bad guy conversation here about killing Nicodemus? Because that's where my notes say. Yeah, Jenner plans to kill Nicodemus by accident. Right, we covered plans to do it by accident. <laughs> we covered that already. Um, <laughs> well, by accident. Right. Well, I think he covered. He mentioned it before, but now he's actually like showing the like pulleys and shit on how he's, <laughs> it's an accident. So I have pulleys and shit. Yeah, and a whole team Duh. of mice or rats here for no reason. Uh, we do explain how Jonathan Bis- Jonathan Brisby died. You got me saying Bigsby now. We do explain how he died. He was killed by the cat dragon um, while he was trying to put uh, sleeping drugs in the cat's food, which is apparently a thing. We that- explained that on the page before. I have already turned the page. <laughs> which is a thing we apparently do to this cat often whenever we need to pull like a big caper or, you know, we need him out of the way. <laughs> Just regularly drug him. Just knock this cat out. Poor cat's got one eye. Yeah. So we need to give the sleeping drugs to the cat again so that we can go move Mrs. Brisby's house, which is the whole reason she went to the rats. So that's the plan. We're going to do it. And then Mrs. Brisby volunteers to be like, I'll I'll be the one that does it. Um, so it first walks away and then comes back. Right. Uh, to volunteer. So we're going on this dangerous mission and we sort of have a conversation here about like, this is what the plan is. This is why we need to move. We've evolved too far to continue living as rats. We need to basically go found our own society away from this farmhouse. And I don't know, I guess they're going to build their own turbines and shit to get electricity. We haven't figured that out yet, but they're not going to steal it anymore. So then she and uh, Justin go to actually poison the cat. Are we ready to talk about that? Yeah, we run into Jeremy along the way. Um, he comes back with string and uh no then sorry <laughs> we run into jeremy along the way he's obsessed with the amulets um because it's shiny and he's like i always he wants I always it, wanted yeah. a shiny and 
Yeah, so he's, like, looking at that, and she has to get rid of him, so she tells him to go get lots and lots of string, and then we don't see him again until the movie's over. <laughs> so then we go to feed the cat. Um, not to feed the cats, to go drug the cat. Um, so there's basically one little hole in the floorboard that they can climb through uh, before she goes, and she decides to take off her cape, because, as we all know, capes. Well, she doesn't decide, and this is where I thought uh, I was anticipating a Justin heel turn. Uh, because he tells her before you go up there, you better take off your co- uh, cape. And then I was like, oh, "This is just pervy." And then it's like, "And the necklace too." And I was like, "Oh, like he's he's, he's gonna, gonna try take to the, use necklace. the necklace." Like, yeah, that could have been interesting. And he's gonna, you know. So I was like, "Oh man, I don't trust Justin, even though we're supposed to." Right. Kind of. It's just been be like a like, good dude the whole time. Right now, but I was like, "Oh, he's up to something." Well, I was. He's just a perv, thinking. and he's trying to get the necklace. <laughs> Why does she need to take off the cape? There's no reason. He just was trying to get a look the at The Incredibles. It. No capes, man. It just leads to accidents. I didn't see him taking off his clothes. He didn't Every, go to... Everybody else got to wear their clothes. Like, just, <laughs> hey, you're a woman. We're going to send you on this mission, but you better take off your clothes first. So we get a tense scene where, you know, there's a tight window where she has to run across the kitchen floor, put the drugs in the food, and run back. Uh, she's really nervous about it, but, you know, she does. She gets to the food. She puts the drugs in. On the way back, though, she gets caught by one of the kids. Um, and the kid's like, oh, Mom, I caught a mouse. What are we going to do with it? You know? Oh, yeah. And this the is adult, the, the human the kids. The human kids. Because I was like, why would her kids no, catch her? No, they're not like, there. We about? thought they were coming. They didn't since come. Since we had them figure out where she was and all that, like, oh, the kids show up and then they make a bunch of noise and that gets her caught. That would right. make sense. But that's not what happened. No. But then this is where we get uh, Justin saying, damn, and, you know. Right. It's dirty words in a kid's movie. Um, and it felt totally shoehorned in. You know, there are some shows that come on, like, normal cable channels now, like, TNT, sci-fi, whatever, yeah. where they can say shit, but they yeah. know they can say shit, so they say shit like in every other sentence, and it's yep. like, but why are you doing this? It's like that. I feel like this is, I mean, there's, yeah, it made sense for him to say damn, but it would have worked just as fine if he just, you know, was like, oh, rats. Or like, <laughs> no, maybe he wouldn't <laughs> that say would rats, have been but worse. like, <laughs> fine, he could have said, oh, shucky darn, and taken off, you know. Or run off with a necklace like I thought he was going to yeah. do. Um, we get a phone call now to the farmers. Uh, Mrs. Brisby's caught. She's thrown in a birdcage. Um, then we get a phone call with uh, Farmer Joe or whatever his name is. And is like, uh, it's a phone call from NIM, uh, you know, the National Institute of Mental Health or whatever it was, saying like, yeah, those rats in your front yard, we want to come check them out. And he's just like, oh, okay, whatever. You come in the morning. And he's like, okay. So that's sort of just added tension of, oh, shit, the scientists are coming back for us. Um, and then we cut to the rats uh, pulling up Mrs. Brisby's home, uh, which is in a cinder block. Uh, and they're, they're using, like, this pulley system they've rigged up to, you know, pull them on up out of the air and uh, out of the ground and hopefully move them to someplace safe. The lee of the stone or whatever. and uh, Still don't know what that means. Right. So the kids are in the house and they're getting moved around and they're trying to catch everything. They have a big gas candle still lit in there, which is like, why the fuck wouldn't you blow that out when this is going on? But <laughs> I'm sure that won't end badly. And then this is where the evil rat and his little minion, uh, Jenner and, I don't know, Kylie, whatever the other guy's name is. Tubby friend. Um, yeah. They're... Uh, they they just pull out swords all of a sudden, like little tiny little rat swords, and they're like, "Okay, we're gonna wait for this accident. We're you know we're gonna set off the accident here. We gotta wait for the cinder block to be right above Nicodemus, and then we'll cut the line, and it'll all crash down on him." And 
the little minion rat is like, no, I don't think we need to be doing this, man. You know, that kind of stuff. He's getting nervous and uh, having second thoughts. I did wonder if these were just like, uh, you know, because where's the mouse going to get tiny little swords like this? So I wonder if they were like the fancy kind of toothpicks that they serve like hors d'oeuvres on that look like swords. Well, I mean, these are altered rats. Like they, they have a forge have in there. Rat. Yeah, you never know. They have rat like home shopping network that they're ordering the shit off. <laughs> Possibly, of, you never selling know. swords late at night. Um, so anyway, uh, the portly one is unable to cut through the rope. He can't make himself do it. So then Jenner cuts it himself. The thing falls. I didn't think. I thought Nicodemus moved, and so I just wrote Nicodemus survives. But it turns out he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Because even in the next line, they're all talking about him like he's dead. And they're like, oh, but he didn't really die. He was right. fine, that thing. Like, whatever. So I was like, Nicodemus, fear dead. <laughs> like, you like... know something this movie doesn't know. Wild speculation on part of the professional podcaster here. Because <laughs> I just assumed, like, we were doing our Disney thing of, like, right. you know, the dog and Lady and the Tramp not dying. Yeah. Or, like, we were not... going to talk about it. But eh. the non-Disney film, a little harder to predict than the Disney one. Um, yeah, turns out. Uh, so yeah, a big big crash accident happens here, um, and then while this is going on, we cut back to Mrs. Brisby, who's locked up. She's trying to figure out how to get out. She cuts her arm while she's doing this, and so we get to see blood, um, mm-hmm. establishing like, hey, this isn't your usual, you know, kids' cartoon. And we'll see more blood uh, when they have their sword fight in a minute. Right, and as, so she's cut her arm. She's like, oh well, I can't get this door open, and she like soaks her arm in the little water tray that's in there and then she realizes like she can reach her arm through the water and up out the other side and there's you, you know daylight bars? basically so she you know figures out i just got to push this out and wriggle my way through and then she does and then she kind of repels off of there with the string that was in there i don't know where that string came from um right then she basically teleports from the house to where they're at like she gets there right. super fast and she has a little run in with the cat first but uh gets away just fine um mm-hmm. we also get a big zoom in on the cat's eye like it's pretty much the same zoom in as uh the sharp tooth eye in land before time is what made me like when sarah's running into it and reminded me of that right so you expect there to be like a huge chase scene with the cat after or whatever but instead like no. she's just there with the others in no time like yeah um like the maybe cat just let her pass cut like. for time i don't know yeah i don't know <laughs> um so basically, you know, this big accident has happened. Uh, the rats are all standing around like, no, what do we need to do? Nicodemus. And then this is when Jenner sees his moment. And he's like, you know, fellow rats, we need to. This tragedy is, you know, stricken us here. And it, it's a very unfortunate accident. But we need to get back to the rose bush. You know, we can. Right. It's rebuild. a blessing in disguise because Nicodemus's plan was not going to work, guys. Right. We should stay here. You know, maybe someday we'll go explore new areas. But for now, we should stay here. Right, and then this is when Mrs. Brisby comes back and is like, whoa, what the hell? You can't stay here. Right, it's moving day, and we're all going to die. Or no, not. They're coming to kill you tomorrow. Nim is coming tomorrow, and this is when, oh, she's hysterical, which felt like a pretty good, like, women, why are we going to, like, our villain just throwing sexist shit out there to just, like, to, you know, continue to hate this guy. And if that wasn't enough, then he smacks her, so. And then chases her with a sword. Um, Right, which leads to a uh, Jenner and Justin sword fight. Right. And which leads to more blood and violence. And uh, during yeah. the sword fight, Jenner admits what he's done. Cause right. Villain. Because <laughs> why not? Yeah. And then uh, 
in a very non-Disney ending here, the good guy just stabs the bad guy. <laughs> like, we did see that with in uh, Sleeping Beauty, I guess, when we threw a sword at yeah. a dragon, but... You know. But in a very sort of uh, faces are stupid way, they don't make right. sure that he's dead. So everyone's like, oh, okay, we're safe or whatever. No one makes sure. He gets up like he's going to uh, give them an, a final blow. But then redemption for the tubby rat is what I wrote down. Because he flings the dagger at him, gets him right in the back, dead. Worm tongue, Saruman. Just throw more of these out there. <laughs> And the rats decide they will go to Thorn Valley, but oh, yeah. then Thorn Valley. I don't know if we said that. No, that's where they were going to go. The big block falls uh, and uh, is now starting to sink into the ground because right. uh, her Mrs. Bigsby's home, Brisby's home, is uh, collapsing underneath, and uh, that's causing the block to sink further and further. Right. And the kids are inside and they're in danger. So now, yeah, we beat the bad guy, but still tension. Oh God, what's going to happen? And then basically you know amulet magic engage well, yeah before the amulet magic though they try to use the system of pulleys and there's they're all trying to lift yeah. the stone out of there and they can't do the ropes it ropes are and just then, breaking like, and snapping her necklace falls off and then so it's like oh man it's she's lost everything and then it flies over to her we didn't know this could happen all that said before was like it activates when the right person wears it she's not wearing it and then it actually does something that's a fair point uh, but if flies over to her it glows for a while then you know magic happens yeah she she gets imbued with the magic and uh right uses stone to do magic shit is the last thing i wrote there then jeremy meets a girl and everyone wins (laughs) she's able to pull the house from the mud hole and the house levitates to a safe spot and then she like collapses afterwards but while i mean this is hard to get across on a audio podcast but like it looks all very like magical and I don't know, like, it's it's a lot of, like, you know, shining bright lights and, like, heavenly sounding music and, like, it's all very, uh, I don't know, breathtaking. Uh, it looks really cool and it works as a, as a climax, uh, even if you don't stop and think, like, why is this happening? Where did this magic come from? <laughs> How does this amulet work? I think the main issue with this movie is, like, it either needed to be, like, 40 minutes longer to get all this stuff actually explained and in its right place, or we needed to just acts like a lot of stuff out of it that's the uh the the cornet quote right like i need five minutes with these guys or five years like, kind of or something like that yeah. it's well it just needs half as many characters i think if we were gonna trim it down some more you know because we, we want it to be an epic but it's only 82 minutes and so we have a lot of shit that's not really explained and a lot of characters that don't really serve a purpose like the birds that now you know, we cut back. Jeremy's found all the ropes, but, you know, every, the whole fight is over with. They move the house. Everyone's safe. And uh, he has this really dumb, worthless scene where he meets a girl bird who's just as clumsy as he is. So yay for him. But everyone wins. We did the yeah. super happy ending. I did. Except for uh, except for Nicodemus. He's dead. Um, Nakamura's dead. But other than that, right, things are cool. Except for Nosferatu. <laughs> Right. So the big old rat died, so everyone else could be fine. Um, but we, I assume, we can explain, do the rats go to Thorny Valley or whatever it's called? Or is that just left open to I interpretation? See, I Probably so, because uh, I think Justin was on board with this plan, because he right. was, like, number two in command. To, right. Or, like, you know, he was his, his young boy. I don't know what he's called. <laughs> his, uh, he was... His friend, vice know, president, his protege, protege is what I'm go. trying to think of. His protege, 
Right. Well, anyway, that's the end of the movie. And uh, yeah, it's it's a bit clumsy. It's a bit convoluted, but it's visually it's really cool. It is just a much different kind of story than what the kind of shit we've been watching on here. Like this was way more entertaining than Oliver and Company. And I kind of enjoyed Oliver and Company. So I don't know. It's hard to say. It's one of those things where it's just like you're either super nostalgic for it or like you watch it and you're like, there's problems here and there. But I don't know. Right. I don't think i would watch it again necessarily no. um i was looking for like how much is this on amazon like after i finished nah, watching I it so. so like maybe if i were like flipping through channels and couldn't find anything else i might stop on it probably not though yeah uh, it's all right it wasn't awful there is but, probably uh, a reason that i watched it 10 years ago and then forgot everything that happened in it so yeah uh it's okay though that i keep getting her name wrong because none of the actors ever said her name either like did you see that trivia note no. Like, they originally, in the novel, and when they recorded their lines, the, her name is Mrs. Frisbee, not right. Biz, Brisby, Brisby. So was that a late change? It was a late oh, change, and that. so the sound engineers had to edit it to add in a brrr <laughs> sound, because it was too late to call the actors back in, so they cut out all of their and replaced it with brrr, <laughs> and uh, yeah. I didn't know. I mean, I obviously knew about the change from the book because, you know, Frisbee is a trademarked, you know, word. Right. Um, but it was a but it was a late call and sound editing. Interesting. I bet that was a really hectic weekend, I'm sure, to get that done. Right. Um, yeah, because it's not like it's a minor character. Like, it's a name in both of two characters, right? She and her husband. Right. But yeah, I don't know. I I took, like, I guess your position that you had for Black Cauldron on this, where it's just like, hey, this is kind of cool. Like, it doesn't work all the way, but I enjoyed watching it. I want to watch this some more, you know, that kind of stuff. Whereas, you know, yeah. when I watched Black Cauldron, I was just like, eh, what the fuck is going on for a lot of the movie? <laughs> so, like, I don't know. It's just different tweaks here and there of just, like, a cool fantasy story, I guess, which is way different than, you know, what we normally have been reviewing for this podcast. So that's probably why I thought it was cool. Did it leave you wanting to watch more Don Bluth stuff? Uh, I mean, maybe to watch the ones I've already seen. Uh, <laughs> sure. I don't know. Um, I like Five Goes West. I think I've tried to watch an American Tale a couple times, been like, but I like Five Goes West. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I uh, Land Before Time. Really I don't enjoy. Know. Everybody loves Land Before Time. Land Before so. Time is great. Um, I watched that somewhat recently, and like, I totally forgot about how uh, spoilers when they get to the around the time they get to the Great Valley. Uh, yeah, I guess right before it, when uh, Littlefoot's having like his moment of like, oh, I'm never gonna make it. This is never gonna work. We just recap the whole movie and stretch everything out for like five more minutes of just like, hey, remember, <laughs> remember when Sarah was arguing with you, and remember when they went the other way, and remember when you thought you saw your mom in the clouds two minutes ago. <laughs> like, I, that was <laughs> the oddest part of that movie. But yeah, if you were. You know, I was going to say if you were alive in the 80s, you were. But suppose you were a child in the 80s, in 82 or whenever this came out. And would, like, I think this is around the same time that Fox and the Hound came out. Uh, if you saw trailers for each of these, which more would have uh, interested you, do you think? Uh, Fox and the Hound, probably. This looks a little dark, I would think, for a child. Um, yeah. It is meant to be more of, I don't know. It would teen. depend on how you did the trailers, I guess. But, True. You know. Um, they were apparently. They. Um, I think we're about to give the same fact. Go ahead. They were apparently disappointed that they got a PG rate, or no, they got a G rating for it. Sorry, they were expecting yeah. a PG and got G, and they were thought that would kind of mess with their marketing because you know 
it's really meant for like a <laughs> it's really meant <laughs> Dustin knocked his microphone over and that threw off my train of thought it's really meant for a more like mature you know uh, you know older kid or teen um, but getting that G rating it's like no this is gonna feel people are gonna think this is like you know kindergarten or Disney shit and it's not it's meant to be more adult than that so I don't know Hmm. overall it was a fun uh fun watch so yeah i enjoyed it don't it's harder to wrap these up when i don't have like a talk and snack plan we don't normally do those for uh uh bonus episodes you know but i mean you ate peanut butter pie <laughs> uh calling it peanut butter pie would be a bit uh in- inaccurate the box calls I it know, that it's right? a peanut butter banana pie but it was a banana pie with like four peanut butter chips on it so it was not uh it was not like a half and half thing hmm yeah, that is unfortunate. That's a thing at Popeyes now, everybody. <laughs> In case you were wondering, <laughs> it was pretty good. Love that chicken from Popeyes. Not affiliated with this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's a cool jingle. Anyway, so we we thought this would be a fun bonus episode. Uh, maybe you're thinking differently now, but uh, <laughs> we got a few more bonus episodes coming here and there. We do want to branch out and do some more like Disney adjacent things. Um, but I, I am glad we watched this, and I do think I will pick it up at some point. You know, got a son of my own now. At some point, I'm going to show it to him because I want him to like cool fantasy shit. So you don't think it's dark? Like I would think it would be. I mean, yeah, not like a like something you would show to him soon. No, like. it could be a little intense. But I'm I'm also reading like Lord of the Rings to him now. Like he's a nine month old. He doesn't know what anything is. You know, yeah, but there's a difference in like hearing it and not in, not understanding it and like seeing it. Like it might be a little scary, but we'll see. The spider and the, the spider scared me at 19, so and then <laughs> yeah. a little bit last night too. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, thanks again for joining us on this bonus episode. Hope you're enjoying season three of the podcast. We're trying to kick it off. Maybe do uh, a few more bonus episodes here than we did in the past, and. Uh, if you perhaps want to suggest any bonus episodes for us, feel free. Uh, you can email us at dudeswatchdisney at gmail.com or just... We love suggestions. Shout us out on Twitter, at uh, DisneyDudesPC. The PC stands for podcast. There you go. And uh, we'll be back. Our next main timeline movie is The Little Mermaid. So hopefully we got as much to say about that one as we did this. So, so we're the dudes. Thanks again for listening, everybody. I don't know. <laughs> dudes. dudes and goodbye. I'm Dustin. I'm Jake. I don't know if we said that early <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> yeah, Dustin and, and Jake, and, and we're dudes. Yep. We're dudes. We're dudes. How are you? We're all fine here. Happy 4th of July, everybody. Or, it's the fifth. No, or Thanksgiving when this comes out. Oh, no. See ya. Bye. Dudes. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Dudes Watch Disney Podcast. We made it through 21 of these things now. It's, that's really cool. We've been doing this for like three years now, and that's it's kind of become something we're really proud of. We obviously want to grow our audience as much as we can, so if you have any friends or family you think might be interested, please tell a friend, share on social media. Um, anything you can do to help get the word out for us would be a big help. And of course, you can always send us your thoughts on these movies. Uh, coming up next, we got Little Mermaid and The Rescuers Down Under. Obviously, two big, very popular movies. Uh, if you've got childhood thoughts or memories or opinions or anything you want to share on it, just let us know. Send us an email, dudeswatchdisney at gmail.com. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter at DisneyDudesPC. The PC stands for podcast. 
And that's really all I got here, so I'm going to wrap this up. See y'all next time. Pew pew.